look to heaven expecting as they pray. I just feel like something good is about to happen. And brother, this could be. Children, this could be. Children, this could be that very day. Well, we have some visitors. It's meet and greet time. So y'all shake every hand, hug every neck. to go with what Pastor Mark says. If you can't find your seat, just sit down anywhere. get seated how many of y'all hear about the nine soldiers that, that died in that in that crash man what a horrible horrible thing pray for them people pray for them families and pray for them soldiers and that blue angel 
soldier that 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 died. I mean, what a see that just goes to confirm what the word says that you don't know what tomorrow holds, and you need to be right. You need to be right because you don't know what going to happen to you. You don't know what's going to happen to you when you leave this church today. Some of us, some of the of us has experienced someone that left this church and didn't make it home. That's true. That's a true story right there. He never even made it back home after church. See, so you think you think you might have it all together. You think you might be good. You might be good to go. Hey, you know what? God says you don't know the time or the place when it's going to happen. You're not guaranteed tomorrow. You're not guaranteed in the next five minutes. So if you ain't right, I pray that you listen to Mr. Bill's message today and you get right with him. You get right with him. We're going to pray over our offerings. And we're going to pray about those soldiers. And we're going to pray that they had salvation. Amen. I'll remove our hats. Dear Heavenly Father, we ask you to be with that family, with the families of those soldiers, Lord, and be with that, that blue pilot, that blue angel pilot, Lord. Dear Heavenly Father, we know that those men and they go out and they put their lives on the line. Everyone that's in service, in the in the service, whether it be a police officer, a fireman, a soldier, they go out every day and they put their lives on the lines for people they don't even know. Heavenly Father, we ask you to just cover them, Lord. Put your hands over them and cover them. And dear Heavenly Father, we ask you to bless the offering. Your word says to test you on this deal. Dear Heavenly Father, I don't wish to test you because I know what you can do and what you will do. Dear Heavenly Father, you ask us for our obedience. Tithing is not about money, it's about obedience. Dear Heavenly Father, we ask you to bless this tithing. And bless everyone. Bless the giver and the non-giver. Bless the ones that couldn't be here today for whatever their reason was. Heavenly Father, we thank you for all that you do. In Jesus Christ we pray. Amen. Oh, this was special to me. This is the very first song before I came here. You know, I had a group and we traveled all over singing gospel music. This is the very first song we sang in public, so hope y'all like it as much as I do. We'll live in below in this old sinful
welcome back our care pastor, Brother Danny. Where else can we go? Where else can we go but to the Lord? Man, what a powerful song that is. Amen. Man, Mr. Bill. This is Mr. Bill Graham. He does ministries all over. Helped started several cowboy churches. He says he's got a word for us. You got a word for us, brother? Got a word, Danny. Oh, amen, amen. I'm, I'm, I'm eager to hear it. Thank Real you, eager. buddy. You're a good man. Mike, we on okay? Awesome. I had, a, I want to show you guys something before we go. I know you can't see it from there, but this is a little deal. It's about a kid's fishing tournament in two weeks on Saturday morning at Gospel Lakes. About a year or so ago, I took your pastor fishing with seven or eight other pastors. You know that was a trip, right? <laughs> I think I created a fishing bug inside of him. He kind of wanted to fish. Of course, I know this rodeo and thing takes, takes uh, precedence over that stuff, but two weeks from uh, yesterday, Gospel Lakes, from 8 to noon, kids fishing tournament. The idea is you kids that are churched, Get your parents to bring you. You can enter. You can get in online. The first hundred kids are going to get a free rod and reel. Going to give you a free meal, and I've got a young man that, that you'll enjoy that's going to spread the gospel. Here's the deal. Some of you kids need to invite some of the kids that aren't coming to church. We want to reach them for the Lord. That's our desire. So think about it. If you you can come, we'd love to have you. We'll have you out of there by one o'clock on Saturday. All right. I want to uh, talk to you this morning about something that's dear to my heart. I'm going to give you a half a, half a minute history on me. I'm 70 years old. I'm getting old. My wife says don't say that, but hey, I have earned the right to say that. <laughs> if I want to sit in the chair and relax, I have earned the right to relax. I was a rodeo cowboy from 1964 to 1994. I rode horses and bulls for seven years. My bulldog for 20-something. Had a blast. Loved every minute of it. In the middle of all that, 1980, I got saved radically for Jesus. Lead <laughs> off. Isn't that awesome? Give God a hand. He saves us whether we're looking for him or not sometimes. You know what? 1980, the, the cowboy, cowboy's circuit had no Jesus there. I'll tell you all a little bit what changed that. But an awesome change. But I want to talk to you this morning about Mark 8.36. What did you all say? <laughs> I love it. You all have been trained well, I'm telling you. For what will it profit a man if he gains the whole world and loses his own soul? I'm going to talk to you about four things. Mike, I can't see that clock, so somebody's probably going to have to help me out. Maybe I can. I've been told about how long to talk. I want to talk to you about the authority of a believer. I want to talk to you about the gifts that God gave the church. I want to talk to you about Christ's love for souls. And then I'm going to talk to you about what can we do. How important is a soul to you. 
Now, I'm going to warn you in advance, I don't have a memory like Pastor Mark. I sure don't have hair like him. <laughs> and I can't really remember facts as well as he can. I can't quote scriptures as well as he can. He remembers names. There's probably not very many of you guys in here. He don't know your first name and your last name. I have trouble remembering who I met last week. He remembers what he's preaching about. So I'm going to warn you in advance, if I begin to tell you something, I get off on a little short rabbit trail, and I stand up here looking at you like a cow looking at a new gate, somebody tell me where I was. <laughs> Good deal. All right. Now, I got a pastor friend of mine, Sean O'Hearn, his wife Charlotte from the Tomball Cowboy Church that we started lots of years ago. She knows all this about me, so she sent me something. I'm going to read it to you. She, she said, love this, talking about me. Leaving the store, I couldn't find my keys. They weren't in my pockets. Suddenly, I realized I must have left them in the car. Frantically, I headed for the parking lot. My husband had scolded me many times for leaving the keys in the car's ignition. He's afraid that the car could be stolen. And as I looked around the parking lot, I realized he was right. The parking lot was empty. I immediately called the police. I gave them my location, and I confessed that I had left my keys in the car, and it had been stolen. She said, then I made the most difficult call to my husband. I left the keys in the car, and it's been stolen. There was a moment of silence. I can imagine that. I thought the call had been disconnected. Then I heard his voice. Are you kidding me? I dropped you off. <laughs> now it was my turn to be silent. Embarrassed, I said, well, come and get me. He said, I will, just as soon as I can convince this cop I didn't steal your car. It's good to laugh, isn't it? Go over with me to Matthew 28. <laughs> 28, 18, 19, and 20. First thing we're going to talk about is authority. Listen to what it says. It says, all authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. That's Jesus saying that all authority came from the Father, and it came to him, and he's been given it on this earth. He said, go therefore and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, of the Son, and the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to observe all things that I've commanded you to do. And lo, I'm with you even to the end of the age. Now, one more. Go to Mark 16, 15 through 18. And I want to read what it says there. Same authority, same thing, same Jesus, talking about us. He says, go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. Who's he talking to? Talking to us, isn't he? 
Who did he say to preach to? Every creature, every person. He who believes and is baptized will be saved, but he who does not believe will be condemned. And these signs will follow those who believe. In my name they will cast out demons. They will speak with new tongues. They will take up serpents. If they drink anything deadly, it will by no means hurt them. And they will lay hands on the sick, and they will recover. Now, I feel like the Holy Spirit's telling me to do something. And I want you all just to bear with me for just a minute. Is there anybody in here sick? Is there anybody in here that needs God to heal them? I want you to stand up right now. See, I had an experience with God once. 1980, I tore my knees up, bulldogging. They were like cantaloupes. They were soft and mushy, and they hurt. And I quit rodeoing. And I was in a church service after an orthopedic surgeon told me I needed to have both knees operated on and fixed. She said, they're messed up. I said, yeah, I'm living with them. They do hurt. And I was in a church service, and the preacher stood up after the praise and worship, and he said, God wants to heal somebody's knees. Can you imagine that I was the first one to jump up? When you've got pain and you hurt, and somebody says something like that, you better be the first one to jump up. And you know what God did? He healed my knees. I went back to rodeo for 10 years after that. Never have I had surgery on my knees. So this is what I'm going to tell you this morning. And this is what I want you guys to do. You have authority over everything. The name of Jesus is above all things. That name is above every name. Whatever sickness you've got, whatever thing is going on in your body, whatever's going on inside of you that's bothering you, the Lord can take care of it. But here's what I want you to do. I'm not going to lay hands on you and pray for you. You're going to do it. Because you guys are believers. You have the authority to lay hands on sick, and they will get well. So the rest of you look around and go put your hands on somebody. Right now we're going to take a minute and we're going to pray for them. And we're going to ask God to heal them, and we're going to believe by the authority that God has given us that it's going to take place, and his healing will go forth this morning in the name of Jesus. Father, right now. We just put our hands on these different ones, Lord God, and we declare your name above all names. We ask you, Father God, to heal each and every one of them right now. Father, whatever's going on in their body, whatever's happening to them, you can and you will take care of it. Father, we thank you in advance for everything that you do and you're going to bring back, Lord God, and tell us what's happening. We love you, Lord. We give you honor and glory in Jesus' name. Amen. Give God a hand. That authority is for us. It's, for, it's not for non unbelievers, it's for us. If you go to Acts 19 and, and look, and don't turn there, I'm just going to tell you right quick. Paul was actually preaching the word in Asia. And he was going and ministering to a lot of people and getting people saved, getting people healed, casting out demons. And there were some characters there, right, like there is characters today that want to do things without the authority to do it. And this chief priest and his seven sons came upon a demon-filled guy and they wanted to cast that demon out of him. And I think they probably didn't have any, any spiritual reason to do that. They were probably just wanting to figure out a way to make money off of it. 
And they said this, we exercise you by the Jesus whom Paul preaches. The demon said this, <laughs> I love it, Jesus I know and Paul I know, but who are you? And commenced to whoop the fire out of him. <laughs> when God gives us authority, we don't have to fear anything. We can do what the Word of God says and what Jesus tells us to do. But if you don't have that authority, you sure better pay attention to what you do. So first thing is God gives us the authority to go out and preach His Word. The second thing is in Ephesians 4, now I'm going to go there and read that, 4, 11 through 16. I still love it. Just got to find Ephesians. <laughs> uh, problem is I marked some things and I marked too many things. Here we go again. And he, he is Jesus, gave some to be apostles some prophets, some evangelists, some pastors, and some teachers. Why? For the equipping of the saints, for the work of the ministry, and for the edification of the body of Christ. Till we have all come to the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God to a perfect man to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. God has given us Gifts in the church, and those gifts are to equip us to go out and do the work of the ministry. Teachers teach the Word of God. They examine the Word for us. They break it down for us. They tell us what it means. Sometimes in my simple mind, I have to be reminded about what something means. Pastors, you guys got an awesome pastor. You are blessed to have Pastor Mark and Mary. I love them to death. It's the hardest job in the world. And I am so glad that every now and then he gets to go do something with his family, get away from the pulpit for a little bit because he trusts you guys to listen to the Word of God all week long. It's not just a Sunday morning thing. Pastors love us. They love us when we're not lovable. Anybody ever met anybody like that? Me too. Apostles, you know what apostles do? They help pastors start churches. They help pastors build churches. Prophets, have you seen a prophet in action? Sometimes they just simply read your mail. I've got a very good friend of mine that got saved because a prophet read his mail, told him all about his life, and Jesus just exemplified himself in it. It was an awesome thing. They confirm things in your life that God's spoken over. An evangelist, an evangelist is, is, is the simplest of all. That's why I say I'm an evangelist. We share the gospel, the simple gospel. Just And, and all that means, guys, not to, to, to code it, not to make it complicated. It just means to tell somebody what Jesus did for you. He shed his blood for us, and all we got to do is tell them what he did for us. You never know what 
your word can accomplish or what your actions can do when you're following what God says to do. I said a while ago in 1980, and I'm going to have to hurry. In 1980, I had a friend named Glenn Smith. Glenn was a 140-pound uh, saddle bronc rider. Got turned on radically for God. He was one of the two or three guys that was out there on the PRCA rodeo trail talking about Christ, doing church services at rodeos. There wasn't many out there. I told you in 1980, I, I told my wife, I said, I'm going home for a while. We can't. God's not out here. I want, I want to go and learn about God. I, w- I want to be in church some. And being a cowboy and being in church was kind of, it was hard to do back in those days because you're gone all the time and you're traveling all the time. At Cheyenne, Wyoming, in 1980, Glenn, the man of God, was standing by his travel trailer. And here comes a bulldogger named uh, Roy Duvall. Roy was 280. He was mean. He was bad. And he had a horse colic. And any of y'all had a horse colic? It's an ugly thing, isn't it? It was his bulldogging horse. He had 15 people mounted on him in the slack the next morning. He comes to Glenn. He says, you're the man of God, aren't you? Glenn said, yes, sir, I think I am. He said, I need your God to heal my horse. Now, two things could happen if that happened to any one of us. Our faith would well up inside of us and say, you've got it. Or we'd be scared to death. I praise God for my little 140-pound saddle bunk rider. He stood up next to that bulldogger and he said, I'm praying for your horse. Where's he at? When laid hands on him, prayed for him. I don't know what your theology is about that. Can I say I really don't care? Because you know what God did? He healed that horse. And the next morning, 15 guys rode that horse during the slide. And you know what it did? It started something in the cowboy realm that is still going on today. And I'm going to tell you, by the time I quit rodeo in 94, 50% of them cowboys were born-again believers. And it's higher than that now. You watch these bull riders on TV. Who do they give credit to? Who do they give glory to? It's an awesome thing. God can and God will do it. 2 Timothy 4, 1 through 5. Now then, this is for us. I charge you, therefore, before God and the Lord Jesus Christ. I is Jesus. You is me and you. Who will judge the living and the dead at his appearance and his kingdom. Preach the word. Be ready in season and out of season. Convince, rebuke, exhort with all long suffering and teaching. For the time will come when they will not endure sound doctrine. I'm thinking we may be living there. Because they have itching ears and they will heap up for themselves teachers and they will turn their ears away from the truth and be turned aside to fables. But you be watchful in all things. Endure afflictions. That part I wish they'd take out of there. Do the work of an evangelist and fulfill your ministry. 
God gives gifts to the church so that you and I can be equipped so that we may go outside of this building and we may share the gospel with people and we bring those people back in here and Pastor Mark will teach them the word of God. Not his job to go do it, but I know he does. But he's only one person. I see lots of persons in here. And by us doing that, we will reach a lot more people than he can by himself. All right, praise God. Moving right along. What's Jesus' part in all this? Mark 8.36 again tells us that the most valuable thing we have is a soul. All of our earthly possessions, our position in life, your pleasures, the power that you think you might have, all of these things are not worth the value of one soul. Not one. I don't know if there's a cemetery very close by. You guys ever go to a cemetery and just take a look in there? Cool. I bet there's not a house in there, is it? Is it? Is it for one of the dead folks? Is there any cars in there? Any stacks of money in there? Any land in there? Any horses in there? What's in there? Bones. Nothing but bones. You see, there is not anything that you can do on this earth that's not going to burn up and be gone except for your soul. God says his wrath will come upon the earth and he will destroy the world as we know it. That's what the Word of God says. It's coming. It tells us what's in store for mankind. I heard an evangelist one time. He said this, we need preachers who preach that hell is hot, that heaven is still real, that sin is still wrong, that the Word of God is still true, and that Jesus is the only way to salvation. I appreciate Pastor Mark because that's what he preaches. I love it. You see, unbelievers, if they don't understand that hell is coming, if they don't understand that you're going to be separated from God, if they don't understand that eternal fire, judgment, torment, the lake of fire, if they don't understand that this stuff is going to happen and you walk up to them and ask them, have you been saved yet? They're going to look at you like you're crazy as a goat because they have no idea what they need to be saved from. Isn't that interesting? How many of you guys thought you needed salvation prior to you understanding and knowing what you were being saved from? Not many of us, was it? The time is coming and it's getting shorter every day when Jesus will return. He's coming back for us, the saints. We may not always act like we're saints, but he's coming back for us, the saints. And if you die between now and then and you haven't accepted Jesus as your Lord and Savior, you're going to miss the boat. It's just that simple. And there's not going to be one of these things where you stand up there, but God. I'm Bill Garrett. Do you not remember me? He's going to say, depart from me. I never knew you. He loves us, 
and He cares for us. And when we repent of our sins, we are grafted into His family and we are going to spend eternity with Him. Now here's the thing. I prayed this morning. I preached this at another church a couple of weeks ago. And I prayed the same way. I pray that when you leave here today, God will put somebody on your heart to minister to. And that you will minister to them no matter what takes place in your life or theirs. And that you won't quit ministering to them until they become born-again believers. If each one of us will do that, the this decides that you'll have to bust some more walls out of here. It's an awesome thing. It's our responsibility to do just that. You see, Jesus did what he's supposed to do. He died for me and you. He was hung on a cross. He was tortured. He was whipped. He was nailed. He was stuck with a spear. He endured things that me and you could never endure so that we would not have to endure them. He was made to carry all the terrible sins of the world on his shoulder. And all that sounds pretty rough and I don't think we even can imagine what it actually was when he went through it. God loves us enough to send his son to replace us and cleanse us of our sins. Jesus died for us. And then here's the good thing. This, this is what's awesome. What happened then? I like to say somebody used to have a song that said, and Sunday's coming. He might have died and he might have went through all that, but I'll tell you what he did. He arose and he came out of that grave and he walked around on the face of this earth and he visited with Mary and John first, and then he was seen by his disciples, and then he was seen by over 500 people that not the Bible tells us about so much. History tells us that these people saw him. They were eyewitnesses of a risen Christ. Then he... I love the idea. Some of us may be a little bit kind of like old Thomas a little doubting sometimes, a little bit hard-headed sometimes. Listen to what Jesus did. He even put Thomas's hands in his wounds. He took his fingers and stuck them in a nail hole. He said, Thomas, I am the guy. I'm the one that died. He ate with them. He walked with them for several weeks after his coming out of the grave. And then he ascended to the Father to sit at God's right hand. And you know what it says? It says, and he makes intercession for us. Let me tell you what intercession is. Intercession is the fact that he knows that we still sin. He knows that there's still sin on this earth. And every time I mess up, Jesus looks at God and says, whoa, whoa, whoa time out. He belongs to me. I covered that a long time ago. Every time you sin, every time you mess up, 
Every time you make a mistake, Jesus says to the Father, that one belongs to me. Wow. That's powerful, ain't it? That's a powerful thing. What's our part? What do you think a soul is worth? If everything else is going to burn up but a soul, what's a soul worth? God said your soul's worth his son. God said, my soul's worth his son. He knew me before I met Jesus. I spent 30 years not serving him. It wasn't very good. And yet Jesus died for me prior to those 30 years. Died for each and every one of us. I told you there's a person I'd like for each one of you to know and think about a person in your life that has not made Christ their Savior. And you can be the evangelist that changes that. You can be the one that tells them that Jesus shed his blood for them. Forty years ago, I had a friend. He and I met in a rodeo arena. I'm not going to call his name because some of you might actually know him. He was flagging a bulldog. I was entering the bulldog, and I didn't like the way he flagged it. It's before Christ, and we had a little situation in the arena, and we took it outside, and we settled it all up, and we became friends. Five years later, I got born again, and he and I remained friends through this whole 40 years, but he never really wanted anything to do with Christ. I mean, it's just... It's one of the things you cry over that, that you think about all the time. Lord, please do something in his life to change it. He fell off a roof in San Antonio, 2003. Was paralyzed for six weeks. You know the first phone call that he made? Who did it go to? Somebody he thought knew God. My wife and I went down there immediately. Prayed for him, laid hands for him and prayed for him. And God has given him back 80% of that. They said he'd be paralyzed. He is 80% of what he was. And you know what? He's not mad at God. He is thankful that that happened to him. But here's the deal. And this is what bothered me for the last few years. He still didn't turn to Christ. He knew God did something. He was thankful for what God did. But he still wasn't ready to make Jesus his Savior. Billy Graham came out with a program three years ago called My Hope America. It was a very simple deal, and it works today. And if any of y'all wanted to do it, it's this simple. You invite someone to your house that's your friend, that's an unbeliever. You feed them a good meal. Feed them a steak. Feed them something good. You show them a video. I guess a CD now. I'm telling my age. A CD that, that Billy Graham has. And it talks about Christ. It talks about Jesus. And you know what? Then you encourage them to accept Christ as their Lord and Savior. We showed two couples that CD that night. This guy and his wife were one of them. And he looked at me. He said, why are you doing this? He said, we've had this conversation before. And I broke down. I had big tears run out of my eyes. And I said, I'm doing this because I love you enough to never quit. 
I love you enough to never stop asking you. I love you enough that I want to see you born again and living eternally with God. You know what him and his wife did? They accepted Christ that night. And I'm going to tell you something, guys. I've won saddles. I've won buckles. I've won lots of rodeos. There is, and, and that's all fun and wonderful. And, and at the time, it satisfies you a little bit. Nothing, nothing compares to seeing your friend come to Christ. That is the reward that each one of us need to have. Y'all stand with me. First, I want to ask you, does everybody in here know Christ? I had a pastor friend of mine once told me when he got saved, he was sitting on the back pew. He said the guy made an altar call. And he said, I can't even tell you what he preached. Doesn't really matter. He said, all of a sudden, the Spirit of God hit me. And he said, I knew I had to get up there. And I had to get up there quickly before I died. He said he ran to the front. We sometimes ask to raise hands, and, and I understand that, but it talks about believing with your heart and confessing with your mouth. So I'm going to ask you, if you don't know Jesus and you'd like to, I want to pray with you. And I'll do it now. I'll do it after the service. And I'm not even going to ask you to bow your heads, but if you don't know Jesus and you'd like to, just raise your hand. I'm not going to point you out, but I will get with you afterwards. And we will pray the prayer and tell you how to go about doing that. I know Pastor Mark's done an awesome job here, and I'd almost bet most of you guys are saved. But if there's one here, if there's just one, it's okay. Don't be bashful. This may be your chance to live eternally. You never know what's going to happen until you, Pastor Danny said it. You never know what's going to happen. I don't see any hands. So this is what I'm going to do. I do see one. Praise God. <laughs> Hallelujah. I'm going to challenge the rest of you. Do something for me. Commit. God's put somebody on your heart. Commit to minister to them. Don't beat them up. Minister to them. Love them. Take them out to eat. Tell them about the Lord. Tell them you love them enough not to give up on them. And then believe God to do something. Invite the Holy Spirit always to minister to them before you ever open your mouth. And I promise you God will do something. And when, when that happens, this church is going to double in size. It's going to be an awesome thing. Let's bow our heads and pray. Father God, I thank you for your love. I thank you, Father, for your grace. I thank you, Father, for salvation. Lord, I ask you for each one, each person that these are thinking about. Lord God, bring them closer to you. Set somebody in their path every day to tell them about you. Every day, Lord God, remind them every day. And Father, I ask that our hearts would be so open to minister to them and so open to share with them
and all that you've done. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Pastor Dan.